0: if you would join me in the book of Nehemiah. I have a a little passage of scripture that I'd like to read to you and make a couple comments, and I I really believe that uh, you'll be blessed and edified. Nehemiah, I'll be reading out of the New International Version just because I'm I'm reading a, a passage of what scholars call Nehemiah's memoir because he speaks in the first person. And it's a story. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah is hundreds of miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed by the kingdom of Babylon because God's people had become sinful and lost God's protection. He sent Babylon upon them to to chastise them as a nation, as a city, and as a people. Nehemiah lives quite a long time after that took place. Well over a hundred years have elapsed. So Nehemiah was never in Jerusalem himself. He was not in Jerusalem at the time that Jerusalem was overthrown by the Babylonians. And in fact, in the meantime, Persia, the empire of Persia, has overtaken Babylon, and Nehemiah is serving in the capital of the Persian Empire. And uh, like I said, more than 100 years after the, uh, what some, the Jewish people now call the Great Disaster, Verse 4 says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some day I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. You get the idea. Prayed. We're praying tonight. Let's see if we can draw a connection between Nehemiah and his prayer and our situation in upstate New York. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, And my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Notice that he is not at all sparing about himself. You couldn't say that Nehemiah caused the overthrow and the downfall of Jerusalem. He wasn't even alive at the time. But he is saying, Forgive us of our sins, including my own. What can he be talking about? Only one thing that he was standing by, doing his service as a cupbearer to the Persian king, while Jerusalem was allowed to flounder in destruction and neglect. And he puts it this way we haven't obeyed the law that Moses gave us. I will call this, I, I won't call Nehemiah's sin the sin of commission, that he did some evil thing exactly, but it was the sin of omission. Is that until then, he had done nothing? Nothing for Jerusalem. Nothing to rebuild it. Nothing to show concern for it. It was the sin of omission that he was confessing. Brothers and sisters, I'll remind you. A little over a year ago, we had our first leadership seminar. And at the very first leadership seminar, I mentioned to the leadership seminar we have four very serious problems at our church. Very serious, very urgent. We must take action. And the number one, problem I mentioned at leadership seminar I've also mentioned in big church and that is that we have not been winning souls like we need to win souls. What happened to our care for people, our love for people, our burden for people to be relieved from the sentence of hell that is on their heads leaving them in their uh, sinful, ignorant state, like in Nineveh. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. I knew we as a church had to get to work. We had not been winning souls to the Lord like we should, and I can tell you, something is happening. Things are changing. Just this morning, I met one man uh, who has come to church now. He just started coming to church. He came with his daughter, and he said, uh, yeah, I saw Brother Breck at the YMCA. He, w- he was in the swimming pool talking to this guy. I overheard them. We started talking, and he's coming to church. Then I met another woman, and she has three children, and she said, um, yeah, I got to come out here because I was driving for Grubhub, And I delivered, uh, I made a delivery to a man's house. Uh, I think he's the principal of your school, Isaiah. I said, oh yeah, he's my son. He said, yeah, he heard my Christian music in my vehicle and he said, is that worship music? Are you a believer, worshiper of the Lord? And he told me I have to come to church and I have to come to the school and I have to come to home fellowship and so I'm here. This is what's happening, brothers and sisters. I think we had a dozen people in the church this morning, maybe more this morning, that one month ago they weren't in church. Hallelujah. That's good. That's what we need to do. Praise God. Even coming on Sunday nights sometimes for prayer, people that are brand new to us, praise God. That's that's the way it should be, And, and more so. It's not one thing that we've changed. It's not, you know, uh, this, there wasn't a silver bullet here or a silver bullet there. It's not just home fellowships. It's not just food pantry. It's, you know, it's, it's everything. And it's also being more prayerful, more conscious of the need of the unsaved. This is what happened to Nehemiah. They, some people went to visit Jerusalem, and they saw it all broken down, and they came and they shared it with Nehemiah. and that information came to Nehemiah like urgent, an urgent problem that he had to get to work on immediately, prayerfully. Brothers and sisters, he didn't pat himself on the back. And say, well, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm, I'm just minding my own business. He didn't pat himself on the back. And I don't want us to pat ourselves on the back. Well, we're a good church, and we've lasted 50 years, and we're sincere, and we have done this, and we have done that. You know what? We've got to win souls to Jesus. The church has got to grow. The walls are broken down in Syracuse. People are destitute in Syracuse, spiritually speaking. There's a lot of people in Syracuse that don't have a pastor. They're just sheep on the hillside, running here and running there. I'm telling you, if God could bring half of the people that are unchurched but confess Christ to this congregation, I don't know if we'd have room for them. Amen, brothers and sisters. Verse eight says, remembering the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. I'm telling you, God has chosen this church as a dwelling place for his name. And God desires to bring more people here. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Chapter 2, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, this means four months have elapsed. According to chapter 1, verse 1, the month of Kislev. Chapter 2, verse 1, the month of Nisan. Both in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, four months have elapsed in the Jewish calendar. He says, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. The cupbearer of a king was a very trusted individual that the king relied upon heavily to keep him safe, a sort of secret service for the ancient kings. He takes the cup to the king... And he says, I had not been sad in the presence of the king, in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. Oh, no. I wonder, is he displeased with me? Is he going to fire me? Have my prospects just changed? Is he going to get rid of me? Is he going to scold me? Kick me out? Imprison me for not serving him well? He says, I was very much afraid. Even though he had been praying for this very thing to happen. He says, But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you be back? In other words, you're going. Is that what you want? You're going. Nehemiah had to say, oh my Lord, answered prayer. I can't believe it. I was praying to the Lord with all my heart. I was fasting. I was praying. I was confessing. I was breaking my heart before Him. I was feeling it for these lost people that were neglected. I, I, it was four months of this. Day and night I was praying, and bang, the answer to prayer. Bang! The door flies open. Bang! Nehemiah is sent with full support of the Persian Empire in order to rebuild Jerusalem. Praise God. That's a good and encouraging account in the Word of God of answered prayer. It's a good account of confession. It's a good account of letting your heart break for the needs that have not been met for the people that are out there and hurting and don't have the spiritual support that they need, to, to have our hearts break for the unsaved, for, have our, for our hearts to break and to, to grieve, in a sense, for the believers that are out there and un, un, unshepherded, just wandering the hillsides, you say, oh, it's their own fault. It's the, it's the age we live in. It's their own fault. It's signs of the Lord's coming. Nehemiah used no excuse. And he was thinking of the sin of omission. We've got to do more. And I pray that God will f- send His Spirit upon us this very night as we pray. This very night with a concern for us to do the commands of Jesus Christ to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of jubilee, to proclaim the gospel that the blind would see and the lame would walk, that we would bear up under the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you will, you can pray wherever you are you can pray in your seats you can come up front if you we will all join together tonight in prayer for souls for Jesus Christ to uh, move in the life of souls and save them uh, for the Lord to bring to a safe haven where they will be taught uh, those who are out on the hillsides and unshepherded Uh, let's join our hearts in prayer tonight praise God